0: Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. We're glad you're along. It may seem all of a sudden that Kentucky has some public health issues out there, but the State Commissioner of Health says some things have been simmering quite a while, including local health departments being in a position to deal with challenges. Dr. Jeffrey Howard Jr. has his own compelling story. He's told us before that he grew up surrounded by opioid abuse, has overcome that. It challenged him to study public health and become a medical doctor. And right now, he is serving as Kentucky's Commissioner of Health. Dr. Howard is joining us, and we really appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Bill. So, we do have a lot uh, all of a sudden that's out there on the table, you know, that's going on as we, uh, and we'll we take a look at sort of the landscape of, uh, of Kentucky health care. Uh, the vaping issue has grabbed a lot of attention, including that of lawmakers uh, in Frankfurt. Uh, there has been uh, some movement to try to raise the uh, the age for tobacco purchase. Studies indicate about a third of uh, high. HIGH SCHOOL STUDENTS HAVE TRIED VAPING, ABOUT 20 PERCENT MAY BE VAPING IN CLASS. THIS MAY BE GOING ON BEHIND THE BACKS OF TEACHERS AND SCHOOL PERSONNEL. Uh, LET'S JUST TALK FOR A MOMENT ABOUT THE SCOPE OF THAT ISSUE AND YOUR CONCERN.
1: WELL, LET ME FIRST SAY, I THINK YOU HIT THE NAIL ON THE HEAD up to a third of our high school students in Kentucky have reported either using currently an electronic cigarette or electronic nicotine delivery device or having have used it while in high school. What's more concerning to me as health commissioner is that uh, recent studies have shown that up to 50% of those students don't even know they contain nicotine. And we know that nicotine can have significant detrimental effects on the developing brain. So it's important that we get that message out there and try to curb the negative effects of of electronic cigarette usage.
0: Do you think getting it to, to kids is most important, that they understand the, the scope of the, of the uh, problem that they're potentially facing, or is it uh, parents, teachers, or everybody? Well, it's everybody, but this is an epidemic amongst, uh, amongst youth, particularly. And, uh, I mean, what would you what would you say to them? If you're talking to a, to a high schooler right now who might be uh, happening by the channel, you know, what what, what would so you what, have them know?
1: So what we have to let them know is, one, these, con- these devices contain nicotine and other negative chemicals that can negatively impact them and give them the information they need to make the best decision possible. Now, I realize we're not going to convince every teenager not to use electronic cigarettes, but we need to make sure they have the uh, information available. And the fact that study that showed that 50% didn't even know that it contained nicotine is really concerning to me.
0: There was a report out of southeastern Kentucky that vaping is leading potentially to a spike in flu cases. They really believe that. Uh, uh, There's a sharing of uh, some of the devices. Apparently it uh, may dry out the lungs some. So there's some early concerns that haven't been completely
1: um, vetted yet at this point. But what I can say is sharing those devices during flu season is not recommended. We don't recommend sharing them at any point in time. And for our youth, we recommend not using them at
0: all anyhow. For adults who may see it as a way to, to get away from cigarettes, uh, is that uh, a viable avenue? It absolutely is. And so one of the
1: challenges we have as public health professionals is weighing the pros and cons of an issue. And so here we want to preserve the use of electronic cigarettes for that adult population that wants to transition off actual cigarette usage, which is worse for them. But at the same time, we think there should be absolutely
0: zero usage amongst youth. What is going on with our with our smoking trends uh, in Kentucky right now? Are we following the national trend of uh, of less smoking? We are, but Kentucky still stands uh, still stays above the national average.
1: And so we are doubling down on efforts to make sure people are aware of the uh, aware of the negative effects of smoke usage. You know, Kentucky leads the country in uh, in lung cancer, which is an absolutely correlated event to smoking usage. So we need to turn that tide, turn that tide
0: so that we don't have those negative effects anymore talk about another issue that is uh, certainly uh, bubbling in Frankfurt right now, and that is uh, medical marijuana. And uh, There's been some very emotional testimony from people who say that uh, it it is a last hope for them to uh, get some relief uh, for them or their children. Uh, Obviously, it's been talked about a lot. The current bill has a lot of restrictions. Uh, What is your stance generally? on that or your approach? Well, I would say first off,
1: marijuana and or constituent components certainly may have indications for medical usage. In fact, Marinol and some other uh, components have been approved by the Federal Drug Administration already. I would say that we have a process in this country for evaluating and approving drugs for medical usage, and I encourage us to rely on the Federal Drug Administration, who has done this for decades, to
0: guide us in that process. I mean, you would say maybe uh, then by that to comment that this is not so much a state issue? Well, I think the states certainly have input, but I think we
1: need to rely on the existing process for the approval of medications. And that if we decide that in the state, if we try to decide to make it a state issue and decide that it's used, we need to really control it because
0: it isn't a drug with an addiction potential. And so we need to treat it as such. So I think about 33 states have gone this step to, to legalizing medical, medicinal use. Yes. And that, uh, I mean, would you say that they have gone renegade by
1: doing that? Well, I don't, I don't think that they have gone renegade. I think the legislators in those states are making this, the best decisions they can and what they feel convicted to do. From my perspective, as a health commissioner, as a physician and a scientist, I think we have a vetted scientific process for doing this, and I trust in that scientific
0: process to do it and get it right. The state has been hit hard by hepatitis A. We know we've had, a break, I think, 41 deaths. And 43. 43 deaths, thousands of cases reported. Are we effectively dealing with this issue now? Yeah, I think we are, and I think what's important to realize is that we were the first state
1: that was affected by a predominantly rural outbreak of hepatitis A. Prior to coming to Kentucky, we were pretty much in San Diego and uh, metro Detroit area in Michigan. So we were the first state to deal with a predominantly rural outbreak. What you see in Kentucky is we saw an increase in Louisville. We were able to effectively um, stop the outbreak there with a uh, proportionally less resources than they used in San Diego, and we were very proud of that. But we have struggled in eastern Kentucky for multiple reasons, and I think West Virginia has seen that same uh, difficulties in their rural population. But to give you an example of how we're performing well in that area, our case rate per 100,000 population is 97. In West Virginia, that's 127. Also the number of deaths we see. Our, our death rate is one percent and in San Diego it was three percent in Michigan it was almost three percent so we're performing proportionally better
0: despite some of the stories that have uh, have um, sensationalized some of these issues when you talk about the challenges in parts of the state uh, what what was the issue?: So well, some of our
1: issues. one is the public health uh, structure has changed a great deal since we expanded Medicaid in this state. We used to do a lot of indigent medical care at our health departments, but those patients have now transitioned into medical homes and now that they're insured. So we have diminished uh, health department staff, nursing staff, clinical staff in particular. And so when it comes to, uh, to responding to a clinical outbreak, the capacity that we once had uh, is diminished. I think this is an important time for us to think about our public health system and what we want from it. And I hope this issue has brought some attention to public health so that we can get the funding and support we need to make sure we
0: have those emergency capacity uh, whenever we need it. Would you say over the long haul we have uh, we have let uh, public health slide in the Commonwealth? I would say it hasn't
1: gotten the attention it needs in the past, and I think hepatitis A has been a good example of this. And I, I hope now that we can double down on supporting the public health infrastructure, realizing it that
0: it is our emergency response in the event of outbreaks and medical disasters what should people know about uh, about hepatitis A and the, and the the outbreak that is currently ongoing so th-
1: what they should know is we've had a little over 4000 cases that it's predominantly amongst those that that have risk factors, and that's homeless population and across the country. But in Kentucky, particularly, it's substance abusers who are typically typically getting this disease. Over the entire state, it averaged about 80% of those affected have substance abuse disorder as well. In rural Kentucky, it's almost 85%. That population, the substance abusing population, is extremely difficult to reach out to. I'm happy to report we've been able to use our syringe service programs to help vaccinate those, but it's not enough. And so we're continuing to try to reach out to those populations for those that, that don't have a risk factor. So they're not in the substance abusive population. They just need to wash their hands practice, appropriate hygiene and consult with their physician about vaccination. So
0: it is the uh, the the IV drug use that's really the uh... substance abuse in general. Yeah. And, and so how? Well, it's due to
1: the populations gathering together, how they, their cleanliness habits, hygiene habits, and things of that like. But what I would also say is that this group, because of stigma around substance abuse, don't tend to seek care as much as we would like them to. So I think a lot of these folks know that I'm at rest for contracting and transmitting hepatitis A, but they're not seeking vaccination because they don't want to come into a clinic and admit that I have substance abuse disorder. So what I want these folks to know is, look, we're here to support you. So come to your hospital or your clinic, our health department, let them know that you have a risk factor and let's get you vaccinated so that one, you don't get the disease and you don't spread it to your friends and
0: loved ones. Dr. Howard, I've heard you uh, uh, return to that theme on many occasions about many things. Drop the stigma, go get help, right? Uh, reach out. I mean, is that, is, is that the hallmark of your uh, service in public health? That is the hallmark
1: of my service in public health, but my goal in life in general, you know my story, and the, the folks in Kentucky know that I grew up in a home with, with, with parents who were addicted to substances, and I've seen these negative effects firsthand, and I had some folks that really embraced me and helped me build resilience, but we, we have, in this state, lost community, in my, in my opinion, and we really have to refocus on our community efforts. We have to put the stigma of diseases, poverty aside, and really gather together. I think the book Dreamland. Uh, by Sam Quinones is a good example of how the degradation of community has led to many of the negative effects we see, especially around drug abuse, and that if we can find a way to focus uh, back on community and gather together, um, that we can really overcome these issues. But it's going to take all of us coming together and focusing on community
0: first. We're uh, right now meeting and uh, talking with uh, the Commissioner of Public Health here in Kentucky, and Dr. Howard will be with us. We'll be back in just a moment. A couple more questions on Kentucky Newsmakers. Stay with us. We welcome you back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers, continuing our visit with Dr. Jeffrey Howard Jr., who is Kentucky's Commissioner of Health. And uh, Dr. Howard, we know we have challenges uh, with our health in Kentucky. I mean, the, uh, how much does it hold us back, uh, really, as a state? Oh, Take our resources uh, and, you know, lost productivity and so forth.
1: Oh, a tremendous amount. It holds us back a tremendous amount. And so you look at the effects of substance abuse. Not only are we having trouble with hepatitis A, and we're number one in the country for number of cases of hepatitis A, but we lead the country in acute and chronic hepatitis C. We have high rates of HIV. WE ARE ONE OF THE one of the WORST IN THE COUNTRY IN TERMS OF CANCER OUTCOMES. SO WE REALLY HAVE TO DOUBLE BACK DOWN ON HEALTH. I'M GOING TO BE HAVING A REPORT COME OUT IN THE COMING MONTHS THAT WAS DONE BY SOME RESEARCHERS AT THE UNIVERSITY OF KENTUCKY um, THAT I COMMISSIONED. AND IT'S GOING TO GIVE US A REPORT ON HOW NEGATIVELY SUBSTANCE ABUSE HAS AFFECTED JUST OUR ECONOMY. AND I'LL GIVE YOU A SNEAK PREVIEW THAT THAT REPORT ESSENTIALLY SHOWS UPWARDS OF $200 MILLION IN LOST TAX REVENUE ALONE JUST RELATED TO SUBSTANCE ABUSE DISORDER, SO THE NEGATIVE EFFECTS OF DISEASE AND HEALTH IN KENTUCKY ARE TREMENDOUS. DO YOU SEE LIGHT AT THE
0: END OF THE TUNNEL IN THE OPIOID
1: CRISIS? I DO. I THINK WE'VE STARTED TO SEE THE TIDE TURN IN TERMS OF OVERDOSE DEATHS THAT ARE STARTING TO DECLINE NOW. I THINK THIS DIRECTLY RELATES TO OUR ECONOMY, SO SOME OF THE GOOD WORK FROM OUR LEGISLATORS AND ELECTED OFFICIALS TO REALLY Uh, bolster our economy. I know Governor Bevins made that an absolute focus, and so you tend to see health outcomes follow economic outcomes, so as we improve economically, health outcomes improve as well. So it's sort of the tide that
0: rises us all. You have also said that you want to see uh, community health uh, emphasized uh, uh, better uh, in our state. Uh, how uh, How do you follow up on that from Frankfurt? Well, so what I've done is worked with our
1: local health department directors to essentially re-transform our public health system. And we're going to be introducing legislation to get that done, hopefully with the help of some of our legislative partners in the next legislative session. But essentially what we've done is we've focused public health down to a core set of services, which I I call core public health. Those are services I think every Kentucky citizen should get from public health, whether you live in Pikeville or Paducah. But everything else beyond those core services are what I call local public health priorities. And so we're essentially giving the opportunity to our locals to decide what their priorities are. Instead of us from Frankfort telling our local communities, here's what you need and here's what you're going to do, we're letting them to assess their community through a community health assessment and then help us braid funding streams to get them what they need to address the needs of their community that they know best.
0: You were telling me you made a visit to to a health center in southeastern Kentucky and you were impressed with their ability to outreach and respond to issues in that community.
1: Absolutely. So uh, I think we were talking about Dayspring Health, which is a federally qualified health center in Williamsburg, Kentucky doing tremendous amount of work there. They've been a great partner for hepatitis A. They're also doing school health in the local schools. It's a great way that our local public health departments can partner with medical providers because there is a difference between medical care and public health. And so we have to encourage those partnerships and you're seeing that on display in rural
0: eastern Kentucky. There's about to be a, a public service campaign hit about antibiotic overuse uh, in Kentucky. Now we hear about this nationally. Apparently the problem is uh, quite acute in Kentucky. In fact, uh, uh, more antibiotics prescribed in the Commonwealth as a rate than in any other state. So uh, usually, when there's a problem, we we tend to be among the worst. What would you have uh, parents and and patients know about antibiotic overuse? Well, I. First, there was a recent Lane report that showed us to have the worst antibiotic prescribing
1: rates, meaning we prescribe more antibiotics per capita than any other state in the country. That's a major problem because of, uh, of issues like antibiotic resistance. So what happens is these uh, these uh, these bacteria mutate and change over time such that our antibiotics will no longer be effective against them. So that's a very dangerous proposition in the long term. What I would have our, our general public know is that every time you get a cold most oftentimes you don't need antibiotics it's usually viral and so if you go to your physician or practitioner and they they explain that to you don't be upset don't be angry it's because they're doing the right thing for all of us by not over prescribing antibiotics we at the uh, cabinet for health and family services our sister agency medicaid is working with the university of louisville who's leading an awareness campaign on this issue in kentucky
0: i mean how much of an issue is it that uh, the patients do go in and uh, as you say, they they sort of pressure the the uh, the healthcare professionals, the doctors and others, uh, to give them something. And you know, if they pay a a copay or a, a visit, that they, they expect something to walk out of there with. Well, I will say that I know from talking to our provider community
1: and having been one of those providers, there is some pressure to prescribe. Uh, medication and patients often don't feel fulfilled if they leave the visit and you're, they're told to go get these medications over the counter. So there is that intrinsic pressure, and I think I think we as patients and also as providers got to realize we need to do the right thing here and diminish our prescribing of antimicrobials where they are not absolutely necessary. And these drugs are important and they're life-saving in some cases, but for most common colds, especially this time of year, you don't need them because their antibiotics will not treat your viral infection.
0: All right, uh, we're heading into the spring and summer months, uh, sunscreen and all of that, right? <laughs> Absolutely, sunscreen. So cover yourself up. What would you have us uh, know that uh, would 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 mean that you have been successful in your tenure as Kentucky Health Commissioner, uh, if you can look back and 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 say that about your time there?
1: Well. Getting back to what we talked about earlier, if we have refocused on community and we've given our our communities the opportunity to define the issues and respond to them in a way that's differentiated to their needs. Because what Louisville needs is different than what Harlan County needs. And so if I can design our public health system and position it to respond to differentiated needs, local health priorities, I think I will have been successful.
0: All right, Dr. Howard, thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Stay with us on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll be back. AND WE WELCOME YOU BACK TO KENTUCKY NEWSMAKERS ON WKYT. ISSUES ARE SWIRLING IN FRANKFORT AS LAWMAKERS HEAD INTO THE LAST FEW DAYS OF THEIR 2019 SESSION. TEACHERS AND OTHER EDUCATION PROFESSIONALS HAVE BEEN ON GUARD AS LEGISLATION HAS BEEN DEBATED. THERE HAVE BEEN SOME sickouts. IN FACT, THE STATE'S LARGEST DISTRICT IN JEFFERSON COUNTY HAS CLOSED SEVERAL TIMES NOW. BUT THE KENTUCKY EDUCATION ASSOCIATION HAS URGED TEACHERS TO REMAIN ON THE JOB WHILE SENDING REPRESENTATIVES TO FRANKFORT FROM ACROSS THE STATE. Joining us this morning is the president of the Fayette County Education Association, Jessica Heiler, to talk about some of these education issues. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate it.
2: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: You're a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Moved to action uh, yes. at, at this time. I yes. mean, uh, I don't know if there's any comparing the two, but you're...
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> uh,
0: teachers and, and uh, support staff, um, you know, obviously very closely watching uh, Frankfurt right now. The KEA is in indicated that these sick outs are probably not the way to go. Uh, How closely are your members, though, uh, watching what's happening in this session and what do you recommend that they do?
2: Well, I think, first of all, being a teacher, part of being a teacher is being an advocate for kids. And so, number one, I think that's what we want people to understand is that when you see us in Frankfurt, that's what we're doing. We're advocating for our kids. And the very last thing that we want to do is be in Frankfurt. We want to be in our classroom we want to be with our kids but we're being forced to be there by these decisions that legislators that are making that are bad for public schools Um, so our teachers are keeping a very close watch Um, i try to update my teachers as much as possible they are watching committee meetings they're watching the house and senate chambers they're really really actively engaged which is great to see
0: would you say that this uh, the issue that has come up about uh, the scholarships for mm-hmm. private schools but being a potential a tax break that that may have galvanized teachers more than uh, than even uh, their own pension uh, Situation did, or or as much so at least.
2: Yeah, I think so because we're underfunded. I mean, historically we have been underfunded. If you um, adjust for inflation, we're still 16 um, percent underfunded. Um, so we don't have the money for things in our public schools like textbooks. We have zero money for textbooks, professional development, the Kentucky Teacher Internship Program. There is no money in the budget for that. Um, so when we see public money being funneled away from public schools, that's very concerning to us because like I said, we're advocates for those kids. If they don't have what they need and we don't have what we need, we can't educate those kids properly.
0: Now, supporters say, you know, this is about school choice mm-hmm. and about uh, being competitive and that if mm-hmm. uh, if the private schools are doing a better job, uh, then maybe kids will go there or the parents will send their kids to the public schools if the public, local public school mm-hmm. system is better.
2: Well, I think, speaking just for Fayette County, we have lots of choice in Fayette County. Um, There's lots of private schools in Fayette County that people can choose to go to. Our public schools are the best choice that we have in Fayette County. We have lots of special programs for our kids for creative um, and performing arts. We have an agri-science farm. We have a Carter G. Woodson Academy. We have lots of choices for our kids in public schools Um, because first of all, our legislators need to remember that they are constitutionally required to fund our public schools and our constitution also prohibits money going to fund private schools. Um, So we need to make sure that our legislators are reading the Constitution um, and making sure our public money goes to public schools.
0: So you don't think that it would even pass constitutional muster for uh, if this bill were to go through?
2: I would hope not. I would hope not. Because really, our Constitution requires that we fund a system of common schools.
0: The estimated cost to state government in terms of revenues, you indicated $25 mm-hmm. million. Right. Why is there such fear that that would directly come from education? I mean, that is part of the narrative that is out there, right. that it would that, that would be a cut to, to, uh, to education. When lawmakers could move money around anywhere if there was a loss of revenue?
2: They could, but the largest um, sum of money that comes out of Frankfurt for anything is for public schools. So I think for lawmakers to think that IT'S NOT GOING TO IMPACT PUBLIC SCHOOLS um, IS A FALSE NARRATIVE. Um, EVERYTHING, EVERY DOLLAR THAT WE LOSE um, INTO THE GENERAL FUND IS DOLLARS THAT PUBLIC SCHOOLS LOSE.
0: HOUSE BILL 525 IS ANOTHER PIECE OF LEGISLATION TEACHERS HAVE VERY CLOSELY uh, BEEN MONITORING. IT WOULD CHANGE THE MAKEUP OF THE TEACHERS RETIREMENT SYSTEM. It would dilute the KEA's influence on the board, Mm -hmm. uh, but again, those who are for it say that, well, this is uh, taking care of other stakeholders Mm -hmm. who are also uh, in the retirement system.
2: Well, it takes um, the current TRS Board of Trustees from 11 members to 13, so it does add two additional folks to there. It also changes the governor's appointees from he currently appoints two, now he would be able to appoint three, and be clear, it's not about this particular governor, it's about any particular governor, um, so we not we don't believe that the governor should be able to appoint more than the two he already does. Um, also it gives um, three nominations to seven different organizations and each organization will elect one. So if you're not part of one of those seven, then you're not even able to be nominated. There are teachers in the state that aren't members of KEA. There are administrators in the state that aren't a member of KASA. So if you're not members of those seven organizations, you don't even get a nomination. Now, you do not have to be a member of KEA to be nominated for a TRS Board of Trustee. And I think that's also something that's false that's being put out there by legislators. Um, We take nominations from any current active teacher.
0: Do you... uh, Move them to the board very often. it's an elected democratic
2: member. process, so all TRS um, members, so anybody that pays into the system or draws money out from the system, um, gets to vote.
0: It had appeared early on there was potentially a pension bill uh, mm-hmm. that the KEA had to, did have some input on, and right. and the, and the uh, Stephanie Winkler, who is uh, mm-hmm. uh, serving as president right now, uh, acknowledged that and and uh, said that uh, you know it, it appeared the relationship was being repaired some between the legislature and and, and the Teachers, uh, this would not uh, affect uh, uh, anybody currently in the system. It was for new hires. It appears, uh, you know, we don't know. That could come back out, but at this point, that uh, it, it has not moved. Has that something that you're you're watching and uh, getting a lot of attention to? Absolutely. And why?
2: I think anything, any time that we talk about reform to our pension system, all educators should be concerned um, and watching it. And we were. I'M REALLY HAPPY TO SEE um, HOUSE BILL 504 FILED BECAUSE IT WAS ALL THE STAKEHOLDERS WERE BROUGHT TOGETHER AND I THINK THAT'S ABSOLUTELY THE MOST IMPORTANT THING. IT COULD BE IMPROVED FOR SURE, um, BUT I THINK IT'S REALLY IMPORTANT THAT ALL THE STAKEHOLDERS WERE BROUGHT TOGETHER TO TALK ABOUT SOMETHING THAT INVOLVES ALL OF US AND THAT'S NOT BEEN DONE IN THE PAST WITH um, last year with the sewer bill, we weren't involved. And I think not to involve people that it's going to affect the most I think is why teachers were so angry.
0: How do your fellow teachers feel about uh, being, uh, having to be political activists here as they, as they feel yeah. it has become something that they have had to do? People who are very unlikely to, to be uh, carrying <laughs> uh, protest signs and, and be in Frankfurt, yeah. uh, but yet uh, that, that is uh, what mm-hmm. has been going on.
2: Yeah, it's not what they expected to do when they came into education. We want to be in our classrooms. We want to be teaching our kids. Um, we don't want to have to be in Frankfurt, but like I said before, they're, we're being pushed to be that way. We have to protect public education. If we don't, who will?
0: And then on the other hand, do you think teachers have uh, in any way hurt their image with the public? Uh, with the sick out, with the being, uh, you know, the, the loud and raucous protests that have gone on at the Capitol?
2: I hope not. I hope that our community understands that we're doing what's best for public education and advocating for their children. I'm a parent as well of two public school students um, and if I wasn't a teacher I would be supporting those teachers going to Frankfurt when they needed to because public schools are um, important to every child in the Commonwealth um, and our teachers have to protect that
0: a few seconds left what would you tell a young person <laughs> who asked you today if they should become a teacher
2: I would say teaching is the most noble profession and go forth and teach and make a difference in the lives of the kids
0: Thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Sure. All right. And uh, we'll be watching this uh, coming week. Yes. In, uh, <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this edition of WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT This Morning. We start at 430 and we hope you make it a good week ahead.